You know, it's tr- it's so true, though, right? You know, when um, and, and I and I and I get it. You know, when we go before the Lord and and uh, you know worship in, in that way in song and praise, it, it 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 is all about the Lord. It is all about the Lord, and it's interesting because, right? I've heard it said that that God is like a like a multifaceted diamond. There's so many layers uh, to Him that we can't put Him in a box. So, you know, you may be worshiping and praising them. And, and many times for myself, it's like sometimes I can't even squeak the words out. You know, I just start bawling and, and, and it, I can't help but but think of how grateful I am that he would take someone like me, a wretch, somebody who was so entrenched in in his sin and he would clean me up. And, 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 and it's been it's been following me this whole week that Jesus actually calls us friend. He actually desires to spend time with us. He really does. He, 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 wants, he wants you to be the apple of his eye. And he desires to hang out with you and I. And, and, and that's just. And so when I heard those, those words, it's like, man, I'm, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. You know, Lord, would you create in me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit, get me back right calibrated with you so that I keep it what it's supposed to be. And and I say that for where I'm at right now. I mean, I have no um, problems. There's no besetting sin. It's just the reality of like, man, Lord, you desire and require every ounce of who we are. You don't want one foot in, one foot out. You want us totally dedicated to you. And as we should, when we see all that's been done for us, the fact that the God of all creation, his Holy Spirit, the breath of God, in Hebrew it's called the Ruach HaKadosh, dwells inside of us, the Holy Spirit. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you and I. And so we have no reason to fear. (laughs) Though fear always tries to creep in, perfect love casts out all fear. Amen to that. Uh, I'd like to say quickly, just uh, for anyone that has served uh, this country, thank you for your service. As we know, this is Memorial uh, Day weekend. It's a beautiful time. And uh, I know what we need more than ever is not a Republican or a politician. We need Jesus Christ. So it's not a it's not a spin on any politics. But thank you for your service. Anyone who's served in any capacity in our military to help Uh, keep this country to have the freedoms that we have still to this day, regardless of kind of what's going on in the culture. Um, But this morning, I'm I'm very excited as uh, we're kind of coming, winding down the book of James. It's been a great time in this book, and uh, we're we're heading off into the last portion of scripture. So um, with that, if uh, you can please turn to James chapter 5. Uh, we'll be going through verses 13 down through 20. Uh, this message is entitled, The Prayer of Faith. And when you get there, if you could, please stand for the reading of God's Word. I'll go ahead and read our main text this morning, and we'll go ahead and get into our message. I'll pray, and we'll get into our message. Once again, James chapter 5, verses 13 down through 20. And it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Amen. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that Whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let's go ahead and pray. Yahweh, Lord God, thank you so much for just your, 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 your wooing us, Lord, your constant pursuing of us all the days of our lives. You are such a good God. You are such a righteous God. You are also such a just God. So help us, Lord, this moment to not be deceived, but may we have your anointing fall upon us that we all may be able to rightly divide your word of truth. Father, give us the ability to see the application for our own lives personally and your church. Father, we lift up all your people, starting with the, uh, the nation of Israel and all the other nations surrounding. May you cause people to respond to conviction and repent. Father, help us, Lord, to be encouraged in you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Like I said, today we're wrapping up the book of James. And, and, and this, is, this is a great book. I love this book so much. I love all of the Bible. The book of James is very interesting, though. I, I know a lot of times uh, pastors have a difficult time teaching on this book, and I get it. Because the reality is this book teaches us as Christians how to practically apply biblical principles to daily living. You see, because so many times we hear in the word, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. And, and, and the kicker is, well, how? Show me how. We, we, we know that, we, know that we, we live in a day and age now where, where we're not under the law. We know that Jesus fulfills the law. So it's not about rules and regulations. They have their place. Again, we always use that analogy like 17 back in the day. Some of you old timers know there were never no guardrails on 17. And you go careening off the mountain Those guardrails are there to keep you and I in a place where, okay, within this framework, you're good. But don't go outside of that. And that's what rules and regulations are for for the Bible. But, But the whole thing is for us as Christians, show me how to apply this. Because if I don't know how to actually apply these principles, I'm not going to have victory. And so this is what the book of James is all about. It's practical application for daily living all throughout this book. And this passage that we're looking at this morning is a great encouragement to you and I who are the church. You see, it reveals the power of genuine living faith and how no believer is alone. 
I, I, I love that. I love the fact that the Holy Spirit can be also not just regarded as the comforter, but a paraclete. If you go back to the, the Greek understanding of that word, it actually translates to, to, to warrior, to warrior, because when, 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 the, when, when the soldiers back in the day would fight, they would be coupled with one another so that if somebody's down, someone else had your back and you could still be fending off enemies and foes. So the paraclete, the Holy Spirit goes before you and I and actually like provision, right? Pro means active and vision means able to see. He provides us provision. He sees before we go. So he provides a way, right? As the Bible says, you go before me, you're beside me, you're behind me, you're on top of me, you're underneath me. Man, if you're obedient within the Holy Spirit, you have the paraclete who goes before you. Isn't that an amazing thing? A warrior who fights for you. So many times we hear, we just heard a message when Pastor Nick came up a couple weeks back, right? Jehoshaphat was like, man, I don't know what to do. All I'm going to do is keep my eyes on the Lord. And he said, just be still, be still and let me fight for you because it's not your battle. Jehoshaphat, it's mine, saith the Lord. And today in your own life, take that to heart. You may be going through something right now and you can't make sense of it. But the reality is it's not your battle. <laughs> you and I just need to remain obedient, be still, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And he will do the amazing things that you and I can't do. Amen. You see, the ministry of Jesus Christ. I love when, when, when Va was, was alive. Uh, that's the, that, for me, that was the first person I heard say that. He said, you know, the ministry of Jesus is a one another ministry. It's about people. It's about folks. It's about those that you can touch, that you can tangibly see. It's not us hiding in a corner waiting for Christ to come back. That's not the church. That's not the, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's an inebriated church. That's a, that's a church that's sucked in. We need to be those that are full of life, full of the Holy Spirit, and understand what Jesus has called us to do. His ministry, I say his ministry because it's his ministry. I don't have a ministry. I've been called in. If you serve in any capacity, you're brought into the ministry of Christ. And his ministry focuses on him being the ruler and authority. And it also focuses on the well-being of others. Isn't that why Christ came? He came because he wanted to save and he wanted to heal. He wanted to see the well-being of others restored. And that's why he gave his life. We have several main points this morning. And the first one is this. Prayer, praise, and faith are all connected. They're interconnected. You cannot have one without the other. And they are all necessary in the Christian faith. We see from the jump in this passage, prayer, praise, and faith in Jesus Christ are central. It's key. This is imperative for us, church, to understand this text. Because when a believer is suffering, what should they do? Hey, amen. Pray. There you go. We're supposed to pray. You see, it is critical that first we know who to pray to. We have to know who to pray to. Because if we're not praying to the right God, then, you know, the, these prayers are going to be 
they're not going to be heard. I, we were at uh, uh, one of my sister-in-law's houses uh, yesterday afternoon in Fremont and, you know, had a great time and, you know, barbecuing. The kids were swimming. And, um, you know, there's a there's a Hindu temple on, on the corner. And, you know, I just I didn't think much of it because I always see it. I mean, it's very elaborate. Uh, it's got this big kind of golden bronze dome. And it's a very nice building. Um, and, 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 you know, but, but as, as I was leaving and I saw it again, you know, there was something in me. It was the Holy Spirit. I was grieved by the fact that these people are worshiping a false god. All that goes into yoga, the, 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 the you know, people that levitate and all that kind of stuff, it's by demonic power. It's not by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're deceived. And it's, it's so sad that so many people pray. I won't doubt that people believe that they have a spiritual component to their lives. But many people pray to the wrong God. And unfortunately, even within the Christian church, some people don't acknowledge who they are to pray to. But Yahweh is the God of all creation. I love the fact that they, they, they say in the Hebrew translation, it's a breathy Yahweh. And that's actually his personal name. That's not even calling him Lord. That Again, that whole thing of friendship, unity, togetherness. He reveals himself in that way because he wants us to be friends with him, family with him. And so he reveals himself in that way. That's who we pray to. Also, if anyone is cheerful, they should give praise to Yahweh, El Shaddai, the Lord of all creation as well. If anyone is not physically well, they are to call upon the elders of the church to anoint their heads with oil and to pray for them. But you see, it is the prayer of faith in Jesus Christ alone. He is the only one who can heal and he is the only one who can make a difference. Verse 16 tells us the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. How many of you have prayed and seen your prayers manifest? Amen. Prayer is real. Prayer is so real. Prayer is the vital lifeline that we have between us and the Lord. And it supersedes our own understanding, our own um, ability to try to try to try to try to understand what's going on. It passes all comprehension and and it supersedes man's uh, wisdom, which is the Bible says foolishness to God. And the wisdom of the world is actually demonic. So we want to have revelation. We don't really care about wisdom. It's cool. Go to school, get a degree if that's where the Lord leads you, but don't trust your degree and all the things you learn in school. They're just tools, but have revelation of God. That's what's going to keep you sound and secure in your life. Not, not, not a degree. Like I said, I'm not downcasting degrees. If you're led to go to a university by any means do so. And young people that are still in high school, get a good grade, put time in, put the work in. Don't just skate by. Trust me. I've been there, done that. It's not cool going to continuation school and just, you know, uh, wasting your time in those precious years. And if you are in that situation, you can still turn it around. We serve the God of, of millions of chances. <laughs> Amen? You see, the reality is, this is how uh, prayer, praise, and faith are connected. Because we cannot pray or praise without faith. You can't. You, you, can, do, you can do the 
the verbal thing, and, and, and we just sang a song about it. Man, really, he don't care about a song, man. He wants your heart. He wants my heart. We don't do the whole, I say the same prayer every day, every morning. Like, I mean, just get raw. <laughs> he, he, don't want, he don't want rhetoric. He don't want a robotic kind of automatic response. He wants you to be real and raw. He can take it. He can take it. The God of all creation can take it. That's what he's looking for, though. He's looking for us to be real and raw with him. But we can't pray or praise him without faith. You see, prayer, praise, and faith all have their roots in the true and living vine who is Jesus the Messiah. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 tells us, Through him, speaking of Christ, then let us continually, a lifestyle of worship, continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. I love that. It says continually. That means throughout your life. This isn't a one-time thing. This isn't a, I come to this building on Sunday for a couple hours and this is where I do that. And then I compartmentalize God, put him in my pocket and go do my thing the rest of the week. No, it's like, Lord, like Moses said, if you don't go before me, I ain't going. You know, I work for a special needs school and, and me and Eric talk about it all the time. There's many times where I'm dealing with, with, these, with these adults with special needs and I'm like, I, I got to pray. And I'm like, Lord, I pray <laughs> in the authority. And they don't want me doing this, but I do it in a way where nobody's knowing. And they ain't going to say nothing. <laughs> but I'm like, Lord, in the authority of Jesus Christ, I command this person to get up. Or I, I command you to calm this person down. And, and it's like, because it's crazy. I'm at my wit's end. I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I can't, I can't handle this. This is above my pay grade. I can't move it. And especially where I work, they have a uh, they have a so they have a say no policy. You can't say no. <laughs> so it's like, man, bro, you putting Dookie on the you putting Dookie on the mirror. No, <laughs> you can't do that. So I find myself in situations every week where it's like, Lord, I need your help. I need you to go before me because I cannot accomplish this goal. I cannot work good at this job if you don't do uh, if you don't work through me, if you don't go before me. We see this. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15 says, What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Do, do you get that? How it's an all-in thing. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is not just the leftovers of my faculties. It is everything that the Lord has given me to have a sound mind and to be conscientious and a will to do. That's how we pray. We don't pray these mindless prayers. And it's not about using all these big words and knowing Hebrew and Greek and all that. That's cool if you're into that. But again, God just wants the essence of who you are to be poured out before him he responds to that every time may not be in the time in which we want him to but he will respond according to his timetable if you are sincerely seeking him that's a beautiful thing and you can count on that that is a biblical principle that is infallible the second main point is this every david needs a jonathan if you know the account of, of, of King David before he became king and Jonathan, Saul's son, then you know what this is all about. 
And I got to just say a disclaimer because we, we, we understand in this church that context is king. We don't want to misconstrue. We don't want to interpret the Bible how we want to interpret to suit our own needs or what we desire, I should say. But we want the scripture to speak for itself. So I will just say this just to put it out there. It's not necessarily that David and Jonathan were confessing their sins to one another, but, but they had a very tight-knit relationship. They had a very tight-knit relationship. You see, there was a deep bond of trust between the two that could not easily be broken. And you don't have to take my word for it. I'll just read scripture. First Samuel chapter 18, verse 1 says, As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So they were close. They were bosom buddies. I mean, they were, they were the ragtag crew. They, they rode together hard. This is what the relationship of David and Jonathan looked like. And the whole point is they both had someone in the faith that they could confide in and be accountable to. This is so important in our Christian walk, church. And I will say this, I'll put it out there, especially the men. <laughs> because men, we, we kind of do the whole, I'm macho, you know what I mean, I'm tough, I don't need nobody. I'm good, bro, I got Christ. You need Christ, but you also need the church. Don't deceive yourself. Don't let Satan deceive you into being in a corner all by your lonesome. Because you ain't going to get victory there. You're just going to get beat up. And if you ain't discipled right, you're definitely going to get whooped up. Trust me, I've seen it happen one too many times. It's not enough to come to service week in and week out on a Sunday. I'm not discrediting the meeting of the saints. The Bible is clear that we are not to forsake the meeting of the saints. But when you look at the span of seven days, I'm going to just put it out there. It's not blasphemous. Please forgive me if if this is, you know, infringing on what people think. But this is like a tic-tac, man. This is like a breath mint for your spiritual life. I have you here for an hour and a half, man. How many hours are in a week? You think this little bit of time here is going to hold you over till next week? Man, you better get in that word daily. You better have homeboys and homegirls you're rolling with in Christ that can lift you up when you need the help, when you need to be encouraged. People that can keep you accountable and say, hey, man, what you doing, bro? You on that computer again. What you doing on that computer or what you doing? I see you on that fantasy thing. Are you gambling again? We need that. We need that. But if we're so like, man, I, I don't, you know, we're closed off, then you're not going to benefit the way that you should. You see, developing deeper relationships amongst fellow believers is super important. It's just as important as coming to church, uh, a church meeting. We are the church. I I'll never will call the building the church. But we as the church, we meet on Sundays, right? Especially because we rent this building, so we don't have a midweek. We have, we have groups at people's homes. But just as important as that is, 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 is developing, is, is harnessing, growing these deeper relationships within people in the body of Christ. Again, this is why we have weekly prayer groups for both the men and women. So that we can kind of get together and get outside of this building where it's not just me talking. And, and we can get involved in one another's lives and see, hey man, what's going down with you? How are you living? What are you struggling with? What are your victories? It's important. Think about it. As hard as you went in the world when you lived in the world, 
why would you not go just as hard for Christ now that you're sold out to him? I went so hard in the world. <laughs> you know, that's why I believe the Lord has me where I'm at and serving how I'm serving because I'm all about it now. I'm all about him. As my shirt says, I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. This is a reality. This is the truth. But it doesn't happen in a vacuum, church. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. Saints, we, we, we have to be intentional about our relations and, and who we choose to align ourselves with and who we choose to spend time with. You know, at the end of the day, all you have is time. Forget your resources. Forget your money. Forget your career. You just have time. And, 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 I, and I learned that a lot with my wife and my children. You know, it's like they're only, they're only going to be around for so long. What are we investing our time in? We have to ask that question. Verse 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, I, I totally agree and I totally get it that we must use discernment. You know, um, we need to be wise and not simply air out all our dirty laundry to just anyone. Right. You don't just go saying all these details to somebody you just met. Like, I don't think I don't care if you think dude is cool. And, you know, he seems like he's, you know, mature in the faith. You got to use discernment. Not all things are to be told to all people. That's again, brings it back to this whole David and Jonathan relationship. They had a bond within one another that things that were said amongst them in private did not was was disclosed and wasn't given out to all these other people. You see, we need to grow with someone else in the faith that we trust so that we can confess our sins and ask for prayer. You see. There is healing for your soul and my soul in what is what I'll call biblical transparency. Being truthful in what the Bible says and going about it in the way the Bible says to do it. But nothing but misery and suffering are for the one who is too prideful to humble themselves and to admit their sins. This is important, church. I don't want you to miss this. The measure of our willingness to be exposed is the same measure of healing we will ultimately receive. So if we're unwilling to share, then don't be surprised when the healing doesn't come or doesn't come the way in the manner in which you think it should come. You know, I'm, I'm, very, um, I'm very liberated to share things with people. Because I've seen that in me sharing my weaknesses, it allows other people, it breaks the barrier. Especially, well, I don't do it with women. I don't. But with men, because that's who I specialize in and that's who I'm with. With men, it, it, it breaks down the barrier of I got I to gotta, I gotta hold it in and, and I can't share. So I'll be the first one to say, hey, man, this is where I'm at. I'll speak on things It's like. Bro, I'm speaking on it because I've had victory in it and this is where I'm struggling. And I've noticed that over time, as you develop and forge relationships with people, with men and women, I'm sure it's the same way. There's something that happens when, when somebody's willing to, 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 to divulge and to be a certain way. I, I, I think of, I'm a sports guy, so I'll, I'll, I'll use uh, Nikola uh, Jokic. I, 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 lo- I love that man's demeanor. You know, and I'm not going to say other names, but there's other people in the NBA 
man, they're just, they're all about me, man. They have just a, they just have a, a raunchy way of, of making it about themselves. And this dude is super good, but he's always defers, man. He defers to his teammates. He defers to the organization. He defers to the coaches. He just got the Western Conference final uh, MVP, and he said, I don't deserve it, man. It's all, it's everybody. It's from, it's from the leadership on down. They all deserve it because they all put in the time. We did this as a collective effort. It's a reflection of what we've done as a team. And what the commentator said, which, which, which just spoke to my heart, I know it, it's just sports, but he said, when, you have a per- when your best player is like that, it makes it so much better and easier for the whole organization, for the coaches, for the team, and all that. I'm not saying I'm the best person here by no means. We're all equal. I just have a different uh, position, but we're all in that same thing. But if the pastor is willing to live a certain way, I mean... It's going to reflect on the congregation. That's, that's all I'm saying. So the whole point is that we are to find someone that we can grow and trust in Christ in and be willing to be exposed. You're already exposed before the Lord. The Lord knows everything and all of the, the, the raunchy thoughts that pass through your mind and, and, and deceitful things that you're like, oh, <laughs> you're like, Lord, help me because I don't want to go that route. He already knows that. But me and Mark were talking about this earlier before we had prayer. But, it, but the whole thing is the Lord wants us to divulge it to him <laughs> and say, Lord, hey, this is where I'm at. Please help me. Please help me. Or Lord, this is where I'm at. And I thank you that, that, that I'm in this place and I'm in this position where I'm, I'm, I'm just feeling your goodness all over my life. And, and I'm so grateful for you in that. You see, how can another brother or sister in Christ lift you up in prayer if we are unwilling to name what the problem or the need is? You understand what I'm saying? We can say vague things like, oh, yeah, I just need prayer. I get that. And we'll pray. And obviously, you know, if the Holy Spirit wants to do a work, he'll do a work. But when we say, hey, man, I have a problem with this. I, I, I have a problem with pornography. Just say it. You know, now we put a name to the issue. Now we can attack that issue in the name of Jesus Christ and deal with it. And it can be eradicated from your life. But if we're unwilling because of shame and understand that, that Satan's all about shaming you. He's all about guilting you. He's all about condemning you. We have to understand the difference between conviction and condemnation. Jesus Christ convicts. Satan condemns. Don't be deceived. But again, this all, you see how this all circles around the same thing? If we don't have fellowship with God, and if we don't have fellowship with believers, then ha- with, with true believers, then how can we even come to a place where we can even experience this, this, this kind of breakthrough in our lives? It won't happen, church. The third main point is this. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news? Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your your God reigns. Those who are walking steadfast in the victory of Jesus Christ, who continue day in and day out to share the gospel, are considered beautiful (laughs) you are the bible says you're considered beautiful if you're living a life of faithfulness to christ 
and, and you wake up every day and you go to bed every day and, and, and what's on the forefront of your mind is God and his plans for your life and seeing people that you know that aren't saved, saved and seeing people that are in Christ grow and mature. The Lord calls you beautiful. Because you are living a lifestyle in Christ that is above reproach, you're going to be willing to share the gospel with anyone. You see, when, when, when we're living in sin, you're not going to be opening up your mouth telling people about Jesus. Because the minute you do, you're going to be convicted or you won't even get to that minute because you can be like, man, bro, I'm, I'm living like I'm, I'm living shamefully. I'm not opening my mouth <laughs> But when you're bold for Christ, it's a reflection of the fact that you are living right with him because there's freedom. There's liberty to profess the truth of who Jesus is when you are living in right standing with God. What is called living above reproach. You see, in the context of our passage, those who reach out to someone who has strayed from the faith and reaches out to them, their righteous act covers a multitude of sins. It is the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit through that faithful witness that is going to help that other person out and bring them back. You see, the body of Christ is connected. When one rejoices, we should all rejoice. And when one hurts, we should all hurt. We should be burdened with the pain and the sorrow that our brothers and sisters are going through. So the believer who recognizes a fellow brother or sister that has wandered from the faith and brings them back to the knowledge of the truth is considered blessed. This again reinforces the reality that the Christian faith is a one another ministry centered around Jesus Christ and affecting all other people. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and and break these verses down so we can see um, the nuggets of truth that are in them. All right, so 13 and 14, it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Okay, so the first thing we see here is suffering. I know it's not fun to talk about, but it's real. Suffering. Again, what is the first thing that we are to do when we are suffering? Pray. I know what God's word says, and surely you know what God's word says too. It says that we're to pray. But many times the first thing we do is not pray. <laughs> Let's keep it real. We complain. We complain. We're like the children of Israel in the wilderness. We grumble about our misfortunes, and we express how we don't understand and that it's unfair. It's unfair, Lord. I, I don't deserve this. Don't you see how faithful I've been, and why am I going through this? Just go back to Job and you'll be comforted. He was faithful. He did all the right things. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. It it was beyond what Job could understand, but there was something that the Lord was trying to show in a spiritual way to the angels and to these demonic beings. That's why all that went on. So it had nothing to do with Job. Remember, Satan went to God and said, Hey man, he's only serving you because you have a hedge of protection around him. Him, I want him. So God said, all right, you think you're going to take my man? Just don't take his life. Man, could you admit, you don't know. You don't know why you're going through what you're going through. It's another thing if you're outright sinning, then you for sure know why you're going through what you're going through. But if you're not living a lifestyle of sin and you're struggling and you're suffering, could it be that the Lord is allowing these things 
for something far beyond what you can even understand. And in all of it, he's still going to gird you up and bring you through it more mature than you've ever been. You see what I'm saying? So that's why the Bible says our ways are not his ways. His ways are far above ours. It's like, don't even trip on it. Don't try to get philosophical about it. Just fall on your knees and say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Just secure me through this. <laughs> Sometimes that's all we need to do, man. We, we trying to overthink it. You don't need a, a PhD from Harvard to figure that one out. Just get on your knees, humble yourself before the Lord and watch him go to work. The same thing is when we're cheerful. What is the first thing we are to do when we're cheerful? We're supposed to praise God. I get it. I get it. And I'm not saying that that's a bad answer because this is what the Bible says we're supposed to do. But many times when things are just clicking for us and we're just on a high, we're like, man, I'm on the mountaintop. I'm rolling, man. You know, ain't nothing wrong. Things are just falling into place. Many times we don't have a care in the world. We simply plan out the next move we're going to make. We kind of just go along without any thought of the Lord and all the good things he's done for us. Instead of going before him and praising him for all that he's done and still submitting to him and saying, Lord, not your will, not my will, excuse me, but your will be done. You know, that's how we're supposed to respond when things are going well, not just get on our high horse and just keep going, you know, and, and with no care in the world. The application is this. The first and most important thing, the suffering need to do is to pray. And the first and most important thing that the cheerful need to do is to sing praises to the Lord. You You see, instead of grumbling, complaining, and even cursing, the suffering need to reach out to the Lord in prayer. The cheerful, instead of simply forging ahead without any thought of how God has allowed blessing to fall upon their lives, should praise Him for His goodness and continue to, dis- to seek direction from Him. And the sick, again, should call out for the elders of the church and ask them to pray for their need. It's very interesting. When you dig a little deeper in this context right here, It's very interesting because the same advice can actually be applied to both the suffering and the cheerful one. (laughs) We are always to take everything to the Lord. Sufferers should sing praises to the Lord. Think about Paul in prison. He wasn't groping. He wasn't murmuring. He wasn't backbiting. He wasn't complaining. He said, you know what? We need to praise God. Praise God. And what happened, man? That that just blew the doors off of that prison, (laughs) you know, because that supernatural act, because they they, they took the matter to the Lord. And they said, you know, Paul, he went on later to Japan, you know, in much and little. I've learned to be content. And my portion is the Lord. And that's how we need to be in our suffering. But many times you and I, we grumble and we complain about what we're going through instead of praising God because we have breath in our lungs. For praising God that our salvation is secure in Him. Praising God that we'll one day be in the new Jerusalem for eternity with Him. And there'll be no pain, no no tears, no weeping, none of that. But we murmur and complain. We also must understand the person in need must call upon the elders There is a real hesitancy of people to ask for or seek prayer from leadership of the church in certain circumstances. At times we do, we open up, um, you know, the altar. We say, hey, man, if you need prayer, come. What what grieves me the most is if somebody's going through something in here and they don't reach out for prayer and they they leave the same way they came in. 
You know, I try to make myself as approachable as possible. You know, I won't bite. You know, and if you're a woman, there's plenty of women here that can pray for you. But 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 don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid to reach out to somebody and ask for prayer. James chapter 2 verse 4 tells us, You do not have because you do not ask. So, simply put, many times it's, it's simply because we don't ask. Our pride keeps us from reaching out and then... You know, we end up in the same situation that we came in with, and it should never be like that. The next uh, statement says, let them pray over him. The elders of the church, as they pray, should anoint the sick person with oil in the name of the Lord. This anointing with oil has been interpreted as either the best medical attention possible for the afflicted, like oil massages were considered medicinal in, in this day and age back then when this, when this was written, or as an emblem or a symbolism of the Holy Spirit's presence and power. Mark chapter 6 verse 13 tells us, And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. You see, the kicker is this. You have to be walking in obedience with God to allow, to have that uh, to allow to be allowed to have that power rest upon your life to where the Holy Spirit can work through you to be a blessing in someone's life like that. We don't want to be like those dudes who were who were using Jesus's name and then they got whooped up by them demons and then they got beat up bloody to naked running. You don't want to be like that. But when you're living in obedience to the Lord, you have the ability and the authority in Christ's name to even cast out demons. <laughs> What we call, uh, you know, schizophrenia, that's nothing but a demon. Uh, Anxiety, that's nothing but a demon. I don't believe we need all these drugs. You know, it's not about the drugs. It's about demonic oppression. Uh, People that have all these different different things that are going on with them. You know, whatever it is, if it's ADHD, all these different things, that's demonic oppression. But the power of Jesus Christ can come upon a person and cause that stuff to leave. Autism, all these things. Yes, some of these things, maybe they are uh, curses, generational curses. If people live in debauchery, yes, the second, third, and fourth generation, those things will follow. But they can still be broken if somebody will say, I will not stand for it anymore. And there's a line of demarcation and I'm living for Christ then you have the authority and the power in Christ's name to cast out these unclean things and you can be used to heal the sick with the authority of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 10 verse 34 tells us, He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. That's obviously about the Good Samaritan. Remember the the religious people that were supposed to do this, they were like, ah, dude's unclean, I can't touch him. It's heck of messed up. That's like us when we're like, homeless dude, oh man, bro, I, I, I got to go. I, I got to go to church. <laughs> it's like, bro, help that dude out, man. Help that dude out. It was the half-breed that was considered a dog. He said, all right, man, I'm going to bandage you up, pour, pour oil on him, right? It was, it, was, it was to help his wounds, put him on his, his animal, took him to the inn. The application of oil in a medicinal sense this is what we're talking about oil was and is frequently used in the east right in the middle east as means of a cure in very dangerous diseases olive oil was and is frequently used in the middle east as means of a cure in very dangerous uh, again diseases lastly we notice that the elders are to pray over the people in the name of the lord now i get it 
You know, I know we're, we're, in, we're, we're, we're the church, but I'm just going to say it may seem like an insignificant detail, but it's truly not. You see, because now more than ever, many churches shriek back in fear of offending people by using the name Jesus Christ or Yeshua, the Messiah. They won't say it. We're at the, um, you know, Milpias Little League, and I'm not throwing under anyone under the bus. I'm making a judgment call and I'm making an observation. It's not a final judgment call, but it is a judgment call. They had this pastor pray. I don't know where they're from. Must be a local church. But dude said everything he said. Everything was legit. And he said, in God's name, amen. And then an old lady next to me said, in Jesus' name. I was like, I'm so glad you said that. Because I don't know why dude didn't say Jesus' name. You got all these, you got hundreds of people. And bro, you didn't say in Jesus' name. It's for nothing, bro. What you talking about, man? In God's name. Everybody says God. There's all kind of God's little G's out there, but we need to be specific. You see, people are afraid of that because when you're specific, now you're going to catch backlash. Because everybody says they believe in God. But once you start naming Yeshua or Jesus of Nazareth, they're like, uh, I don't know about that. And then you start catching backlash. But Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ is that name. So likewise, there is only one name to pray in. That's why I say it's, it, it seems like it's an insignificant detail, but it's very significant. If people ain't praying over you in Jesus Christ's name, to me personally, I would not expect a healing. Because he's not, he's not being given... The honor that's due to him. Why did he go to the cross if we ain't even going to acknowledge him? He said, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my father who's in heaven. He says, if you deny me before men, I'm going to deny you before my father. You're not going to have any access. You see, we can't be ashamed. If we're ashamed now, what are you and I going to do when things start getting grimy? It ain't going to be another pandemic, right? It's not going to be another pandemic. We are entering into the last days, church. Things are going to get worse. It has to get worse before it gets better. That's why he gave us the book of Revelation so we can understand what we're going into and know that we'll be protected through all the things that we're going to have to go through. But if we won't even speak up for Christ when you can still go get a latte at Starbucks and go get your car wash at the car wash then what makes us think we're going to speak the name of Christ under dire circumstances where your life's going to be threatened or you may not be able to buy things or you may have to be like, man, bro, we can't even meet. We have to meet under the cloak of darkness because they're trying to persecute and kill people that profess Christ. I'm just saying, this is what the Bible says. There's no mamsy, pamsy uh, answer. This is the truth. And many people want to cover their ears and not hear it. But I'm telling you, church, it's time to wake up and get ready because it's happening all over the world. We're the last ones to to feel it, but it's happening, man. People are getting persecuted all over for professing Christ. Will you stand in the day of persecution or will you shriek back? The Bible is clear that many's love is going to wax cold in the last days and many people are going to fall away from the faith. Many people that profess to be Christians, they're going to fall away when they start getting pressed. 
They start getting pressed and they can't hold on. Hupomene, to hold up under the pressure, to hold that bar and say, no, I'm not going to give in. Remember, fear the one that can send your soul to hell, not just the one that can only take your life physically. All Satan can do, if he's allowed, is mess your life, take your life. But the Lord has to say, okay, his life can be taken because I know he's where he's going. You know, we don't know how it feels like to die. Maybe it's just something so quick. Hopefully, Lord willing. And it's not, you know, they're pulling out your beard and, and, and stabbing you and all that. I mean, I'm just being real, you know. I'm just being real. I, me, I, I, I'm, I'm a weenie. I just want to go in my sleep. <laughs> I don't want to go in my sleep. I don't want to feel nothing. Let me just go off and, you know. But in any event, church, we got to be willing to speak upon the name of Christ. At the very least, pray your prayers in Jesus' name. <laughs> for your own benefit. All right, 15 and 16. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Okay, we see this statement. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. Many have wondered if this guarantees healing for the sick who are prayed for in faith. I'm going to just be honest with you. I don't know. (laughs) I'm never going to be the one to say, I don't want to be the one to say, yes, yes, for sure. If there's things I don't know, there's things I don't know. I I, I don't know. I don't know. Some interpret this as a, a reference to ultimate resurrection. The reference to sins being forgiven adds to the idea that James is considering a spiritual work in healing, not necessarily a physical healing. Still, in the same context, it does not exclude physical healing as an answer to prayer. Remember, I love this analogy that Jesus is like, or God, the triune God is like a multifaceted diamond. There's so many levels and layers to him. You know, we can't be so dogmatic in certain things, right? In certain things, but, but there's many things that are mysteries of God and we just don't know. So, so, so that's what's going on with that. The application is simply this. We should pray for others in faith, expecting that God will heal them, then leave the matter in God's hand. You know, that's why when I pray for people, I say, Lord, your will. Lord, if it's your will, get this person this job. Lord, if it's your will, restore this marriage. If it's your will, bring this, this, this wayward child back into the fold. Because it's his will. I'm not going to be saying this and that. It's like people come back to me. Like, man, your prayer didn't work, man. No, it's not that my prayer didn't work. It's not the Lord's will. Maybe it's not the Lord's time. It's his will. He says he uses the foolish to confound the wise. I'm just a foolish sheep. That's all I am. Don't take my word for it. Put your faith in Christ, not in keeping. <laughs> I'm just a messenger, you know. The reality is clearly God does not grant immediate healing for every prayer of faith. And the reasons are hidden in the heart and the mind of God. Still, many are not healed simply because there is no proper faith offered. The best approach in praying for the sick is to pray with humble confidence that they will be healed. Again, unless God clearly and powerfully makes it clear that this is not his will. Having prayed, we simply leave the matter to God. Think about it with this whole thing of faith. Oftentimes, we do not pray prayers of faith out of concern for us 
being embarrassed if God doesn't answer. That that I was tested with that a couple weeks back. You know, like I said earlier, we typically don't every week open up you know the altar. But when I was worshiping in that last song, I clearly know that the Lord, I didn't hear an audible voice, but the Lord put it on my heart. You better call people up. Somebody's going to come up. And I had to ask myself, am I going to follow the Lord? And am I willing to look like an idiot if I say, oh, we're going to have an altar call and nobody comes up? And I was like, I already had it in my heart. You know what? I'm coming up. And I know I believe that the Lord put it on my heart. And sure enough, two people came up and asked for prayer. So that's what I'm saying. It's We have to be willing. I know Mark says all the time, you're not always going to get it right. But the whole thing is, are you and I willing to step out in faith? Step out in faith and speak on the matter and, 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 and create an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to come in and do a mighty work in and through you and other people. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You see, church, we must understand that confession and prayer brings healing both physically and spiritually. Confession can free us from the heavy burdens, physical and spiritual, of unresolved sin and removes hindrances to the works of the Holy Spirit. But it won't happen unless we confess. You cannot keep it bottled up inside. All you do is allow those those things to eat away at you and it erodes your integrity and it erodes your faith. First John chapter 1 verse 9 and 10 tells us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not some, but all. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. In us. I'm telling you, church, I know some of you don't know me, uh, you know, personal, like all the dirty dirties. But I'll tell you right now, I'm a living testament that this is true. I am the last person that deserves to stand in this pulpit. I was such a mess, such a nasty, rotten, disgusting person. And he's totally cleansed me from the inside out. I am not who I was before. I'm a different person. I am a new creation in Christ. And I know if he can do it in my life, he can do it in yours. I know it because the word says so. But this is the thing. It says to one another. Confess to another in the body of Christ. Confession, that I should say, is essential because sin will demand us to keep it to ourselves. That's what sin does. Don't tell nobody. Think about it. When you're a little kid and you're doing something mommy and daddy didn't say, what do you do? You do it in secret. My son and my daughter do it all the time. Bro, what are you doing in that cupboard, man? We didn't tell you to go get that. You're not supposed to eat that. Why are you in the corner trying to chew like a mouse like nobody can hear you? Put that thing down. Bro, because if if you were liberated and free to do it, you'd be chomping and smacking like a horse. (laughs) But because it's done in secret and sin will be like, don't tell him, don't tell him. That's what they do. And we do it as adults. It'll cause us to isolate from other people. The application is this. Confession breaks the power of secret sin. We simply confess to one another as appropriate. Confession is good, but again, it must be made with discretion. An unwise confession of sin can be the cause of more sin. So you've got to be sensible about who you're sharing it to. Like I said, men find you a Jonathan. Women find you a Naomi. 
You guys know about Naomi and Ruth. They had a close relationship. That's you need that. You need that. Don't be that man who's like, oh, I ain't gonna do it. Okay, you're gonna be that man who you're gonna be the one suffering. You'll be that one dude where it's like, bro, the National Geographic. Everybody, all the wildebeests, they're all rolling. It's that straggler that gets killed by that lion because everybody else is rolling together, and here you are straggling behind. You're gonna get taken out, man. That's how it is. Trust me, I've been there, done that. That's why I roll with a pack, man. I got homies in Christ. I stay, I stay with cast that are solid, man. Iron sharpens iron. Like I said, so we can get swollen the spirit. You don't want to be that dude. You know what I mean? It's like, bro, why are you all malnourished, man? You all broken down and beat up over there. Come on, bro. Come, come with us, man. Come with us, man, so we can disciple you and get you up, man. Get you strong in the Lord. Sin should especially be confessed where physical healing is necessary. It is possible that a person's sickness is the direct result of some sin that has not been dealt with. I've seen it. I've seen it. That's why I say not all these things. I don't care what the doctor says, man. If, if, if you're watching bad stuff, if you're listening to unwholesome things, what do you think is going to manifest in your life, man? You can't be watching strange things and, and whatever. The, the, what is that new crazy exorcism movie? Whatever. I mean, you know, and listen to little Yachty and all these crazy rap, rappers that ain't talking about nothing and think that you're going to be walking good. No, you're, you're inviting demonic presence into your life. Remember, demonic spirits want a host. And who's the host? You, your body. If you haven't... If you're having sex outside of marriage, you're joining yourself with another person. You don't know what demonic things are going on in that individual's life. Now you've joined yourself with that. Now you've got demonic spirits trying to feed off of you. I mean, it's that real. It's that raw. Again, like I said, I come from a background. I've been steeped in all that nonsense. And it's crazy. So don't think that, 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 that physical uh, sickness is just physical sickness. Some of it can be induced because we're just making bad choices. And we need to stop making bad choices. Satan, you can't, have, you can't abode in here. You can't live in me. You can't oppress me. You can't, no demon, you can't have me. You can't have my children. I mean, there's things going on. Target, what are y'all doing? I get it. It's all these big corporations for money. You, what you doing, man? You trying to dress these little kids up in all this stuff, man? It's crazy. Adidas. Man, I've seen two black men. They clearly are men wearing women's swimsuits. What are you doing, Adidas? When you invite that kind of stuff in, don't be surprised when you're all messed up and mangled. You know, Kevin Klein, uh, my wife said she saw a commercial and, uh, you know, Oh, 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 oh. And, I, and look, okay, this is a disclaimer. But I know I'm not smashing on none of those people. I love those people. I want to see them healed. I want to see them come to repentance in Jesus Christ. A sin of having home, uh, same, same sex uh, desire or whatever. That's a sin just like, you know, a heterosexual person is, is sleeping around with all kinds of people and they're not married. So, uh, you know, I'm not smashing on them when I say this. But this person is transition, a woman transitioning into a man got her breast taken out, and is on the commercial wearing a sports bra. Is that not confusion? That's confusion. Satan is the author of confusion. My whole point is this. We have to be aware of what we're bringing into our lives, church. 
because sometimes maybe that's the reason why we're going through things we're going through. And it's an unconfessed sin. Confess. The root form means literally to say the same thing. It means that in confession of sin, we agree and identify it by its true name and admit that it is sin. So it's like you get caught in, you've got to admit it. You've got to say, nah, man, Lord, I'm wrong. You're right. This is not right how I'm living. I can't be smoking weed talking about I'm trying to prep to teach. Bruh, you're not getting high talking about you filled with the Holy Spirit. You're filled with weed smoke, bro. And that's far, that comes from pharmacia where we get our word pharmacy. That's basically you're, you're dabbling in witchcraft. It is. It is what it is. I don't care what popular culture says. I'm sober, man. I'm sober, man. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't do none of that because I'm not inviting that nonsense in my life anymore. We have to be real. If you want to truly experience revival in your own heart, you must confess your sin. Conviction of sin and confession of sin. This is these are common things during times of spiritual awakening. Confession should be made to the one sinned against. Now, it's one thing if you're doing all this to yourself, but if you're sinning and you're causing other people to be messed up, then you need to get right with those people you messed up. You see, most Christians confess in secret to God, which is appropriate and good, but we should also get right with others when it concerns them. Public confession should be done, but it must be discreet. An example, like I said, the men's group, you know, it's like, pray for me, man. I need victory in this area, blah, 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 X, Y, and Z. And, 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 and this is what genuine fellowship between believers looks like. We, we're not just talking about work all day. I'm not, just, I'm not just talking about the new Jordans that came out. <laughs> I'm not just talking about technology, man. When it comes down to it in the men's group, we're talking about Christ, man. We're talking about Christ in our walk with the Lord. That's the heart of the message. All the other stuff is fluff. Yeah, it's cool, whatever. I get it. You know, yeah, we enjoy that. But when it comes down to it, we're talking about what's really going on. Confession should be specific. When you sin specifically, so confession should be specific. Don't let shame grip your heart. Name the thing that you are struggling with. Confession should be thorough. Sometimes our confession of sin is not thorough. Again, it's too general. It's like we want to sweep it under the rug. Okay, just pray for me. Pray for you for what, bro? <laughs> Tell me, man. What's going on with you? And I, again, that's where that whole thing of being vulnerable before other people, it helps other people kind of break out of their shell and not feel so shamed. They're like, oh, this dude's normal. Yeah, bro, I'm normal, bro. <laughs> I struggle with all that, man. I got to bounce my eyes, all that, man. I don't sit up here like, like I can't be touched. If anything, I'm not much more vulnerable to be touched because when one big tree falls, it takes down a whole bunch of other little trees. You know, that's why it says not many of you should be teachers because it's no joke. I'm not saying you shouldn't be. If there's a call on your life, the Lord will raise you up. But no, <laughs> the, the enemy's always gunning for all of us, man. He wants to take out your family. He wants to take out your grandkids. He wants to take out the next generation. If he can take you out and I'm speaking to men now, if he can mess up your marriage, then he's got you. He's got you. He's got you right where he wants you. Strengthen your marriage. But you cannot strengthen your marriage if you're not strengthening yourself. And women, support your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Women, respect your husbands. It's biblical. Men don't really need love as much as they need respect. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need love. 
But there's a respect factor there. If the women don't respect their husbands, then man, the man's going to be bitter. And if the man don't love his wife like Christ loves the church, which is a super tall order, <laughs> you're, you're, spo- you're supposed to put her desires before your own. I'm still working on that. <laughs> but that's what we're supposed to do. See, when you start working like that, and then, then things start going in harmony, and you start getting along better and better, and you're like, oh, that's cool. But when we're not on that, that wavelength, the marriage can be brutal. Trust me, I know. Confession must have honesty and integrity. If we confess with no real intention of battling sin, our confession isn't thorough, and it actually mocks God. You might as well not even confess if you ain't going to mount up and fight against it confession without true brokenness or sorrow is phony it isn't deeply real and it isn't any good real deep genuine confession of sin has been at the heart of every genuine awakening or revival in the past 250 years but it isn't anything new it's biblical acts chapter 19 verses 17 through 20 and it says and this became known to all the residents of ephesus both greek and jews And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it to come to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So they were involved in witchcraft. And they said, man, this is not good. This goes against the biblical principles. Let's take these books and burn them. And they burned them. They weren't ashamed. They weren't afraid. They said, yes, I was practicing this. Yes, I was involved in this, but I'm not doing it no more. We got to be willing to do the same thing, church. The effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. The prayer of a righteous man is fervent. The idea of fervent in this context is strong. Very strong and energizing are the prayers of the righteous. Do you know that? If you're a righteous person, not of your own righteousness, but if the righteousness of Christ is imputed upon your life and you're walking in obedience to him, your prayers are swole. They're like like prayers on steroids, man. (laughs) You know? They're like Hulk Hogan type prayers. The spirit of prayer is the proof that the power of God is present to heal. The application is this. Sometimes our prayers are not effective simply because they're not strong. We're not, and, and it's not about saying all kind of words. And it's not about all kind of emotion. It's the genuineness and the sincerity of you seeking Christ above all else. When we, uh, they're offered the, these, these, these prayers that are not fervent. They're not fervent when they're, when they're offered in a lukewarm attitude. That ask God to care for something that he has little care for. That's why I say I'm like not even tripping. I'm like, you know what? Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and everything else will be added on. I'm almost to a point where I don't necessarily always pray for for traveling mercies because I already know it's already wrapped up in all that, man. I'm like, Lord, change my heart. Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. That's what I need. When I'm right with God, everything else falls into place. The floodgates of heaven open up and he's like, sure, I'm going to give you provision. Sure, I'm going to do that. Sure, I'm going to do that. But are you seeking me above all else? Before even pleasing my spouse, before even pleasing my kids, it's about seeking God. 
And when we do that, church, all things are added on to us. Test him and see that the Lord is good. But so many times we pray for things where it's like God's like, I'm not moved. And I'm not saying I'm in the mind of God. What I'm saying is, as I get into deep revelation of who God is, I'm understanding that he's not moved when I just do superficial prayers. He's like, really? Bro, you, you, you pray for a PS5? What? 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 You want a PS5? Go spend the $500 and go buy it. I'm not going to bless you with that. Pray for seeking me, man. Pray for seeking me and, and all these other things. By the way, I don't even really play the PS5 anymore. It's like such a big deal. I was on a waiting list for two years during the pandemic. Oh, man. I mean, whatever. It is what it is. It is what it is. The things of the world, right? They're going to fade away. But the word of the Lord will remain forever. Effective prayer must be fervent because we must gain God's heart by being strong for the things that he is fervent for. You see, again, the things that he desires. That's the whole thing. He'll make our desires like his. Again, praying for his will to be done in all things, not in our own. A righteous man is someone who recognizes the grounds of his righteousness reside in Christ. And his personal walk is considered righteous because he has the imputed righteousness of Christ. Don't ever think you're righteous in of yourself. Our righteousness is but filthy, filthy rags. I won't go into that translation. Many of you already know what that translation is. It's not something you want to keep. All right? It's a monthly thing that gets thrown away and discarded. <laughs> All right. 17, 18. I promise we'll get through this quick. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. For three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Okay. Elijah. He was a model of earnest prayer. And this prayer, his prayers were answered by God. His effectiveness in prayer extended to even the weather. It even affected the weather. This shows that Elijah's heart was in tune with God's. He prayed for the rain to stop and start, and only because he sensed it was the heart of God in his dealing with Israel. See, it was all about showing Israel. It was like judgment on Israel and showing if they obeyed, this is going to happen. If they disobeyed, this is going to happen. Prayed earnestly. Literally, this is prayed with prayer to truly pray by definition is to pray earnestly again we see that elijah had a nature like ours this should be encouraging for you and me we too can be people that are powerful prayer warriors can because he uses everyday people last two verses 19 and 20 my brothers if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings them back let him know that Whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Okay, somebody that wanders. It happens. Somebody that wanders from the truth. As the body of Christ, we need to confront in love, not smashing, not bashing, not not acting as if we're holier than thou. In love, we are to confront those who have wandered from the truth. This is a picture exactly what it says. They wandered from the truth. Think about it. Most people don't wander deliberately. It just kind of sort of happens, right? It's not like they woke up one day and said, you know what? I mean, some people do. They just wake up and they say, I'm flat out done with, with, with crap. Well, do what you do. Call me in 10 years. Let's see how it pans out. <laughs> you just going solo bolo without Jesus. But many times people aren't even aware of it and they just kind of wander off. Not being aware when our attention gets off of Jesus, that's when we start to wander. And Satan will do everything in his power to encourage you to wander away from the faith. 
You know, he knows what you like. He knows what your daddy liked. He knows what your grandpappy liked. He knows what your great-grandpappy liked. And he plays the same plays over and over again. If you're a dude who's got issues with your eyes, you better start bouncing your eyes. You better get right. <laughs> because he's going to put a pretty woman in your path. And it only takes one time to slip up. And now all of a sudden you fall now. If you're a lover of money, you better guard your heart against lusting after the things of the world. Because he's going to try to put situations in your path where it's like, oh, yeah, we can make money on the side, do X, Y, and Z. He knows you. He doesn't know your heart, but he knows your intentions. Okay? Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it's never him wandering away from us. We're the ones who walk away. Jesus never, if anything, Jesus is trying to get closer to us every day. But we're the ones who are like, I'm kind of going to do my own thing. Nonetheless, it still gets them off track and possibly in danger. Notice if you wander away, that means that at some point you've had, you have had known him. I guess that's where the term backslider comes from. Because at one point you were solid with Christ, but now you're back in a backslidden state. The good thing is, all you have to do is repent. You're right back there if you're truly in the fold. And someone turns back to him. This shows us that God uses human instruments to turn sinners back from the error of their ways. One reason that God uses sinner, um, sinners and humans to turn other sinners back is because he gets more glory that way. If he would just do it himself, I mean, we see it. When God does things, many times people don't give him glory. But when he uses the foolish things of this world, he gets more glory. It's like a skilled worksman with horrible tools making incredible things. He uses these cheap, janky tools that are jagged and messed up, but he's carving out the best creations ever possible. That's like God using us in the lives of other people. But also remember Saul's conversion, because sometimes he won't use human aid at all. He just showed up to Saul and said, Saul, Saul, why are you forsaking my people? Why are you, why are you persecuting my people? Knocked him blind off his horse, and that's all it was. But it's no small thing in the eyes of God to see a, belie- a believer who has gone astray restored. Luke chapter 15, verse 7 tells us, So jest, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So it's important to God. The one person that repents, he's like, man, I love it. Come back to me. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover the multitude of sins. The application is this as I uh, begin to wind things down. Uh, Michelle and Isaiah can come up whenever they want to. This act shows that there's care and concern for other people. Think about this, church. We live nowadays in such a me, capital M, capital E, driven society that it's hard for us to get our minds off ourselves, even for a minute. Many times we come with our own problems to the Lord, and rightfully so, I get it. But how often do you and I actually have a burden for someone other than ourselves? Does the sin of others actually bother you? Does our hearts break for those who are living in darkness? There is a blessing for the one who loves his brother or sister enough to confront them and who turns them back from their error to the way of truth. It says that he has saved a soul from death and covered a multitude of sins. Look, the reality is this. The ministry is not pretty. You know, when I, when, when I came into the ministry, I had a preconceived idea of what church was about and how church looked. And as I began to get more and more exposed to just the reality of what the church is and the ministry of Jesus Christ, 
I'm going to tell you straight up, it's grimy. <laughs> it's grimy. It's grimy because what I mean by this is we're dealing with sinners and the things that sinners do. So it's not pretty. But that is the beauty is that he takes a messed up situation and makes it restored and makes it beautiful. He can take a murky mess and make it into something more beautiful than it ever was before things even happened. You see, but our hearts, church, should never be like that song from the Grinch. I wouldn't touch him with a 29 and a half foot pole. You know that song. It's like, oh, man, bro, your sins, you did that? Bro, I can't. No, man. No, man, because, because, I, because I'm good. Bro, you're a freaking wretch, bro. You're no better than me. We're all in the same boat. You see, as we ourselves have been pulled out of the muck and the mire by Jesus Christ, we also need to point our brothers and sisters back to Jesus. As we conclude the book of James, this is exactly what he was doing the whole time. Confronting those who had wandered from a living faith. His desire was to see their souls saved from death by demanding that they not only hear the word, but do it. Because a living faith is a saving faith. May we, may we live each day ready to apply the principles of God's words to our own lives. May we be wise enough to take the plank out of our own eyes so that you and I may be ready to be able to take the speck out of our brothers and sisters. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, you are just so worthy of, of, of all adoration, praise, honor, and glory. And Lord, I just thank you that you restore sinners. Lord, you put us in right standing with you. You do a work that only you can do. And Father, we are so grateful for these things that you do in our lives. And Lord, we anticipate the greater works that you have set before us that we have not done yet. Father, please give us a heart that breaks for the lost. Give us a heart that seeks out those in the church that need restoration and healing. May we truly be those that are iron sharpening iron. In these last days, Father, may we really truly be about your business. May the concern for lost souls be on the forefront of our minds and our hearts. Lord God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Um, I'll just say this real quick before uh, they start. You can keep playing. You can keep, keep, keep playing. Um, so um, I know we don't do this often, but we've had we've had a new family join us. And so after the first song, I'd like everyone just to just to chill on communion. And I'm going to I'm going to bring a couple verses that explain what communion actually is. So we kind of have a clear understanding of why we we drink the juice and eat the cracker. You know what I'm saying? And, and then, um, you know, we'll actually today um, I'm going to pray over communion and we're going to take it corporately. I know we don't do it a lot, but I, I just sense the Lord showing me that this is something that that needs to be done so that um, we have a clear understanding of what it is. So the next time when we do it, like we, we like to do it kind of personal. It's a personal thing or with you and your family you'll know what you're doing, right? Because the last thing we want is people drinking juice and, you know, eating the cracker and they got no no idea what it is and, and how are you going to know it unless someone shows you. So we'll do that after the, the first song, okay? All right. God bless you. <laughs>